Alright, so Jonah chapter 4, we're about to end uh, the study through the book of Jonah. And before we get into this, I want to, I want to point out how Jonah chapter 4 has always had me scratching my head at just the weird ending. All right? Have you ever noticed how this story it just has a weird ending? It's like, so Jonah here, he's complaining about God sparing Nineveh. You know, and God gets on to Jonah for being angry about it, and then God basically gives his, you know, reason for why he should have spared it. You know, there's more than six, four thousand persons that can't discern between the right hand and the left, and then there's also much cattle, and then there's no response from Jonah. So did Jonah get right? Or did Jonah not get right? You know, did what's the deal here? Why did the story just abruptly end right here? Was there something left out of the original text that the you know, translators didn't get to? No. no, I'm going to tell you, I actually think I can tell you the ending to this story. All right? Now, it's my opinion, but I'm going to give you an ending. I'm going to tell you what Jonah's response was. Okay? The Bible doesn't tell us what it is, but I'm going to tell you what I think Jonah's response was after we get to the end of this. And... It's, I'm basing what I say his response to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm basing it off of a parable that Jesus told. Okay? So just keep that in mind. And it's, it's my opinion, I'm not up here dogmatically stating this is fact, but I think what we're seeing here in Jonah chapter 4 is a picture of something that we learn later in the future. And that's why the story just. It's kind of weird. Said so if, if you're telling a story, you, know, you, you usually want to have a satisfying conclusion, don't you? But this does not have a satisfying conclusion, not at all. It just kind of ends in the middle of a conversation after a question has been asked, and we don't get to see the person's response. Why is that? I believe there's a very good reason for that. So uh, let's go ahead and start in verse one of Jonah chapter four. So you know what happened last week? We saw how. Uh, Nineveh, they repented. They turned from their sins. And so God repented of the evil that He was going to do to them. God gave them a place of repentance and they were not destroyed. So right here in verse 1, it says, "...but it pleased, displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my own country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish." For I knew that Thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest Thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech Thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So, what a horrible attitude that he had. And remember on week one, I kept saying, what is it? Why did Jonah hate the people of Nineveh so much? What was so bad about the people of Nineveh that Jonah would rather die than preach to these people. And anyone who is a soul winner, anyone who is a preacher, we cannot even imagine, we can't even fathom this attitude of preaching and it's everyone accepting what you preach and then being mad about it. I mean, aren't we always disappointed when we try to give the Gospel to somebody and they reject it? Have you ever tried to give the Gospel to somebody and you're like, well, I'm glad they didn't get saved? We don't do that, do we? We're disappointed when people don't get saved. We want people to get saved. That's just our attitude. 
But yet Jonah here, he goes and preaches one of the most successful messages ever preached where the entire city repents. And he's angry about it. And he tells us here. Because in Jonah chapter 1, it doesn't tell us everything that Jonah had said you know, after God told him to go to Nineveh. But right here, he tells us, this is what I said. Whenever you told me, I said, I knew that you're a gracious and merciful God. Jonah, under, he knew God. He knew God well. He's like, man, I know God. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He'll, he'll repent of the evil that he thought to do to these people. I, I know they're going to hear this message. He obviously knew the people in Nineveh too. He's like, they're probably going to believe this. He had an attitude like a lot of us soul winners do that, man, if we could just get these people to listen to us, they're probably going to get saved. That's usually our attitude, isn't it? If we could just figure out how to get them to stop and listen, they're probably going to get saved. And Jonah, for whatever reason, he knew these people were probably going to listen. And then he knew God's going to come through again. God's going to be merciful. And God is not going to judge these people. And Jonah, would rather, he would rather die than the people of Nineveh get right. And then, after the people of Nineveh are spared judgment, Jonah, he's asking God to take away his life. He would rather be dead than to live on the, on the same planet as the people of Nineveh. They didn't live in Israel. They weren't a part of their land. So why does he care so much if these people... Are living. What is it that created this attitude? What's going on in his mind? Well, turn over to Romans chapter two. Okay, I I personally think what we're seeing here is a picture of the Jews' attitude towards the Gentiles. And this attitude that Jonah had is something that didn't go away. This was something that they they clearly had in Jesus' day. But I want to show you something in Romans chapter two that often gets misinterpreted. All right. So for example. Romans 1 is what we would call the reprobate chapter, right? That's what we use when we're talking about reprobates. We use Romans chapter 1. Now, wimpy Baptists that are afraid to preach the truth of Romans chapter 1, they often like to go to Romans chapter 2 and say, oh, but keep reading. You know, Look what it says in verse 32 of Romans 1. It says, "...who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them to do them." Yes, the Bible does say that they are worthy of death. Oh, but let's keep reading, folks. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. Hey, we're all reprobates. You know? Alright, this is Johnny Nixon interpretation of uh, Romans chapter 2. So that that that's what they'll that's how they'll try to spin this, okay? And what once again what they fail to do, they fail to look at context, fail to look at the big picture. What do we have going on here, okay? Now let's just look at a little bit of history here. Well, let, let's read a little more of this passage first. All right, let's look at verse two. It says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Okay, wait, why would you think you're going to escape the judgment of God? He says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, 
treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. Okay? Now, we're not, we, we're not going to take time to read all of chapter 2. Okay? But really, in order to get the full context of Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2, you have to read Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. And we don't have time to go through all three of these chapters. But look at what it says in verse... Let's, let's look at verse 9. It says, "...tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Let me show you what Paul is trying to explain here in Romans chapter 1, 1, 2, and 3. In Romans chapter 1, he gives us a look at the reprobates. In Romans chapter 2, he gives us a look more at the Jews who were religious. But, were the Jews perfect? No. In fact, the Jews had committed pretty much all the same sins that the Gentiles had committed. But, how did the Jews feel about the Gentiles? They hated their guts, didn't they? They absolutely hated their guts. Remember, I mean, look at all the examples of how the Jews felt about the Samaritans. Look at how the Jews felt, how the Pharisees felt when the publicans and the harlots would come to Jesus Christ. Remember what the Jews said when Zacchaeus got saved and Jesus went to his house? Remember all these times where they're accusing all of these wicked people? Remember all the examples where we see Jesus sitting and eating and drinking with the publicans and the harlots? Remember all these examples people like to bring up of Jesus being meaner to the Pharisees than the heathen? Okay? What was going on here? One major, major problem that the Jews had that I think is unique to them that I don't think us as Bible-believing Christians so much have that. We can have this problem, but I think most of us get this. In the Old Testament, do we not read a lot of verses about God destroying their enemies? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the book of Psalms is singing songs about God defeating their enemies. Okay? Now, that so think about it. The Jews were looking forward to the day where God was going to come and destroy the unrighteous, weren't they? They were looking forward to that day. They sang about that day. You know, how many how many have learned the song yet? We need to, I need to teach everyone this one here. Psalms one thirty nine, do not I hate them, O Lord, they hate thee. They sang that back in the Old Testament. Okay? They sang that song back then. Do not I hate them, O Lord, they hate thee. And I'm not aggrieved at those that rise against thee. I'm not gonna sing it. You know, but I'll mess it up. I'm still getting to know it pretty good. You know, they sang those things, alright? That was biblical. But here's something that they missed. Okay? While it's true, yes, God is going to slay the wicked. Yes, God is going to defeat the unrighteous. Here's the thing that they missed. They never saw themselves as unrighteous, had they? In their minds, Jews equaled good, Gentiles equaled bad. They never saw themselves as guilty. And so, yes, God promised that He was going to destroy the enemies of His people. God promised that He would surely slay the wicked. God promised that. But the thing that they didn't realize is that they were included in that because they too were wicked. They too had participated 
in all the sins of the heathen. When you go and you read the prophets, whenever Isaiah and Jeremiah are prophesying all this doom and gloom upon Israel, it's because they had done exactly what the heathens had done. The prophets would bring up how God you know, drove out the Canaanites out of the land because of these sins, and yet you're doing these things. So, while because God is not a respecter of persons, okay, He had to destroy them too. They're going to suffer too. All of those, so all those examples in the Old Testament of uh, prophecies about the day of the Lord and God destroying the wicked, when Israel saw those passages, when they read those prophecies, they saw those as this is all happening to Gentiles. That was how they saw it. Gentiles do this happening to Jews were exempt. Not realizing that if the Lord would have come back then, if the day of the Lord would have happened at the time when it was at hand, they all would have been killed too. You know why? Because they were just as wicked as the rest of the world. Okay? Maybe they weren't a reprobate like you know some places were. You know, they hadn't gone as far as Sodom and Gomorrah, but were they not all guilty of breaking God's law that He had given them? Absolutely. So in Romans chapter one, he's given us a picture of the reprobates. These are the people that I mean they've gone so far, God has given them over to a reprobate mind to do all uncleanness. But you know what? You in chapter 2, you religious people, do you realize you've sinned too? Do you realize that God is no respecter of persons? If God's going to judge them, He has to judge you too? Yes, God's going to slay the wicked, but you're wicked too. And so when He gets to Romans chapter 3, what's He saying? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, and this is something that the Jews missed. So with Jonah, he had this attitude. Man, one of these days, this is going to be nothing but Jews left because God's going to destroy all the wicked. And Jonah never realized that, wait a minute, we're wicked too. It's not just going to be our, our bloodline. We need a place of redemption. He didn't see it that way. He, and so he, he had no reason to try loving Gentiles. He had no reason for that. He's just waiting for God to kill him. He didn't see them as having any hope. He did have this superior attitude. And so now we don't have this attitude today. You know, there are no ethnicities out there. Okay? Now what I'm going to say here is going to make some of our haters mad. Okay? But listen, this is just a fact. Did you all there are no Groups of people in this world. Okay, there are no ethnicities. There are no people who are born a certain way that we hate. Y'all understand that? There is not a person in this world that we hate because of where they descend from. Y'all understand that? There are no ethnicities. There are no people types that we hate. Okay? And if you have a special sin that you enjoy and you participate in, that doesn't make you a people type. Okay? That just makes you a lawbreaker. Okay? If I decide, you know what, I'm really into punching people in the face, you know, and I'm going to go like one of these people who make YouTube videos just you know, randomly sucker punching people in the face, 
And I, and I decide to give our... And let's say we do that. We start a club of just sucker punching people. And I say, well, it's because we are... And I give us a name. Okay, All I've got to do is get the government to recognize it as a people type. And we might get a month dedicated to us. 